0: My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs he was performing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish feast the Passover was near. When Jesus raised his eyes and saw that a large crowd was coming to him, he said to Philip, where can we buy enough food for them to eat? He said this to test him because he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 days wages worth of food would not be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good are these for so many? Jesus said, Have the people recline. Now there was a great deal of grass in that place, so the men reclined, about 5,000 in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were reclining and also as much of the fish as they wanted. When they had had their fill, he said to his disciples, gather the fragments left over so that nothing will be wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 wicker baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves that had been more than they could eat. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, This is truly the prophet, the one who is to come into the world. Since Jesus knew that they were going to come and carry him off to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain alone. The Gospel of the Lord. Why does God seem to make things so much harder than they need to be? You ever wonder that? That's not meant to sound disrespectful or irreverent. It's a curiosity that pops up from time to time, like with today's Gospel. Now, since December, we've been hearing pretty much every week from the Gospel of Mark, and today we begin this this five-week almost mini-retreat with the Gospel of John, and this one particular chapter, chapter 6. And this whole chapter is one of the most treasured sections of Scripture about the beauty and the gift of the Eucharist. The Eucharist, this tremendous sacrament, this tremendous mystery where Jesus reveals the need for us to receive His very flesh and blood. That communion, the host we receive, is not a symbol, not a metaphor. It's His actual body and blood. And it's essential for us to take and to eat. And so we start this this five-week reflection with this really amazing and particular episode that was so mind-blowing to the people of the time that all four Gospel writers recounted this throng of well over five, probably closer to 10,000 men, women, and children. A massive crowd, which the Apostle Philip points out over half a year's salary wouldn't have been enough to purchase food so that everyone would have a little. They've all experienced this amazing miracle where taking five loaves and two fish at Jesus' word and command is able to feed everyone until they're full, and then they had over 12 baskets of leftovers. So this was one happy, well-fed crowd. They recognized this sign, this miracle coming on the heels of several signs and wonders that they had either seen or heard about. And that's when St. John wraps it up with this really interesting observation. Since Jesus knew they were going to come and carry him off to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain of Loam. Why does he have to make it so difficult? Why didn't Jesus just let them do so? Wouldn't that have been easier? Let an ecstatic multitude lead the way, demanding that Jesus be able to start his reign? In short, because loaves and fishes were not that big a deal. To the crowd, in the moment, it was substantial, and it was mind-blowing, and it was awesome, and every kind of descriptor that you want to add to a, a bonafide miracle that thousands witness and experience for themselves. But from God's vision, from his perspective, not so much. Just like earthly power and authority or being an earthly king, as the people had experienced or imagined. Like them, to us, whose lives and whose energies and whose attentions are so often impacted and at times manipulated, or distracted by those in whatever leadership role you want to think about. As we have so many who are obsessed by who's in charge and what they're doing or what they're not doing, or even worse by the obsession of pursuing power and authority and influence, which seems to dominate so many people's drives in their daily lives. We have so many thoughts, so many worries, so many fears that consume us day in and day out that we would definitely argue that people in those positions like power and authority are incredibly important. It's hard to think of Jesus dismissing this universal claim outright to seize this kingship. And when we think about it, we all have all kinds of hungers that makes it easy for us to put ourselves in that crowd with that multitude. Hungers for healing from all kinds of pains and wounds and loneliness. Hungers for freedom from fears that inhibit or torture us. From sins that shame and diminish us. Hungers for love, not the shallow experiences that so often make up people's definition of that word that are too numerous to recount, that all leave us feeling duped or empty, but our hunger for true and authentic and genuine and sincere love. All those hungers come to mind and help us to relate to this physically hungry crowd. That physical emptiness where we long for food is a universal experience that the poorest of the poor and the riches of the rich can all relate to. How or whether they, they can address that need is where there's the major difference, but everyone knows that feeling, especially, especially physically or emotionally or spiritually. So when this crowd in this gospel experience this incredible miracle, the crowds want him to be king because they liked what he had done for them. Who doesn't like an abundance of free food? And while we're at it, before this was the wedding of Cana, where Jesus had just turned water into wine. Who doesn't like an abundance of free choice wine? And he had already demonstrated his ability to heal and restore people from all kinds of physical disabilities and diseases and illnesses. The first universal health care that was 100% effective, had no side effects, there was no copays. We all want to sign up for that here and now. St. John, interestingly, doesn't call any of these things miracles, though. He makes a point to say that these were signs, to point to Jesus being unlike any human being, fully man, fully divine, God himself. And so we can hear and we see that, yes, Jesus cares. God cares about every one of our very human wants and needs but only as a foreshadow of the life to come. Because when those wants and needs are filled, we're satisfied for a time, for a moment, but that moment's going to pass. The person that's healed from the sickness is not immune from ever getting sick again. The wedding feast of Cana, eventually they did run out of wine, and people sobered up, and that was just an incredible, spectacular memory. And the crowd of thousands who just had this amazing, abundant meal will eventually be asking, hey, what's for breakfast? The famous Christian writer C.S. Lewis said that once we recognize that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world which brings us back to why Jesus didn't let them make him king right there, right then, after this episode. Yes, it would have been easier in that moment, by universal acclaim, for them to demand and force that to happen. But Jesus knows the heart of this crowd that wants them to be king, that they're just momentarily satisfied because Jesus did something that made them happy. They saw in these signs A vision of what they wanted for a king. But Jesus isn't interested in simply making their or our lives here better and comfortable. Jesus isn't simply interested in our physical temporal needs. His mission is to save us from sin and from death. He's worried about our souls. And he wants us to want to experience eternal life with him. He wants us to want that. And this crowd that ate, they're not there yet. Yes, Jesus wants to be their king, just not on their terms or merely from a human worldly understanding. He wants to be king of hearts and souls. So it's not about us getting from him what we want but us conforming ourselves to him and his will. And that's something I think we need to recapture as well. I think for many of us, we we can have a sense that God should be happy that we're here, that we show up for mass and that he owes us something for doing so. And you can hear that in some of the unfortunate public battles that have made headlines of late about Politicians and whether they should receive communion or not, or whether they should be denied or not. Things have gotten uglier and sadly very public and very political. And the undercurrent of so many of those arguments, there's an arrogance and an entitlement to Eucharist and to Mass. And that becomes very divisive. And all of that, we're seeing people who want Jesus to be an earthly king feeding our very human wants and needs, and aligning to our wills. We're focusing on very earthly realities rather than heavenly ones. Jesus on this particular day refused to let them make him king. That doesn't mean he's not one already, nor that he doesn't want us to be part of that kingdom. He most certainly does, and he will go to hell and back to show us the depths of his love and the seriousness of his reign and his call inviting us to be a part of it. May we not only recognize the importance of that for each and every one of our souls, but the importance of praying that everyone else does too.